We are on Ksubis Mem Dalad Omebez towards the very bottom. And this week we will be focusing on Mem Heyam and Allah, 45 uh, in Mesechus Ksubis. We are on the third to last line on Mem Dalad Omebez. And the Gemara says, Tani Shila, Shila taught. This is essentially a Brisa. But Shila taught the following three cases in Motsi Shemra. We have been discussing. Uh, over the last week, the topic of Motsi Shemra, uh, which is a situation where uh, a husband uh, accuses his wife of committing adultery. Uh, and we will see that uh, different scenarios, but uh, it's when um, it's uh, when the wife committed adultery during the engagement time period, the halachic engagement, which was during the time period of the Gemara, about a year long. Uh, nowadays, it's just a few minutes, so it doesn't really apply. Um, <coughs> but uh, there are different scenarios to discuss, and the Torah discusses what happens if he's lying, what happens if the husband is lying, uh, and or it's a false accusation. Uh, the Torah also discusses what happens if it's true, what happens if it's true that she committed adultery uh, during that time period. So what happens? Uh, so we mentioned that in a classic case, which is the first case, so we'll just read the first case, The case of the Torah, the clear case of the Torah, is the case where uh, witnesses come after they are married. After they're married, witnesses come, and they say that uh, we testify that uh, she was warned, and we saw that she committed adultery during the engagement time period. So then, there are two laws which apply, which do not apply in a regular case of adultery. Number one is that the punishment is skila; it is um, stoning. That's the that's the that's the death penalty the de- for adultery. There would be a death penalty, anyways, of chenek, strangulation. But uh, in this situation, it would be a different death penalty of skila. Of stoning, and number two is where does this take place? This takes place al pesach by the door of her father's home. In general, when there's skila, a regular case of skila, it would be actually outside of where people live. It would be chutz machanos outside of where people live, where they would uh, do the uh, punishment of uh, skila of stoning. Over here, it's done specifically by the. Door of the father's home. Why? So the Gemara explains because of Ru'ugidulim Shegidatam, which can be explained in one of two ways. It's either the idea that uh, the, the, the father, the, the, the family should be disgraced. This is a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Uh, she committed adultery willingly. Um, and so therefore, this is a shame on the family, the family in which uh, she was raised in. And so therefore, it happens right by uh, their door. That is one explanation. An alternative explanation, which is uh, said by the Ritva and others, is the idea that we want to show how this she did not commit adultery when she was fully married. This is not when it happened. It happened while she was still living in her parents' home. They were not yet married and living under the same roof. This was happening. This took place, even though the witnesses come afterwards. The witnesses come uh, while they are married, fully married, uh, but the action of adultery that took place uh, while she was still living in her father's home, and we don't want people to have the false impression that she committed adultery while they were fully married, and so therefore she's still deserving of the death penalty. But it takes place by the father's home, so that people know that uh, the action took place 
while she was still living with her parents. Those are the two different explanations. And case number one is uh, one of the clear cases in the Torah. The Torah also discusses it, uh, and it's unclear exactly what that case is. So the Gemara now explains, this is now case number two. Uh, there are various psuk and various uh, verses that discuss uh, this topic. So, uh, So there's different ways to understand this, but we will give one explanation based on Rashi, which is that what happens if, uh, in terms of her committing adultery, it's similar to the first case in that it happened while they were halakhically engaged. However, case number two is different in that the witnesses also come while they are still engaged. So the witnesses do not come after they're married. They come while they're still engaged. So they're still... Skila, that difference between other cases of adultery continues to exist. There's still skila, still stoning. However, where it takes place is different. It takes place by the entranceway of the city. It would take place by the entranceway of the city. Um, and perhaps the reason for this would be because since uh, the, the witnesses come while they are still engaged, so there's no concern that people might think that this happened while they were fully married because the witnesses are coming now. They're in court while they're still halakhically engaged. And so therefore it's not necessary for the skila to take place uh, by the uh, by the house uh, by her father's house. And so therefore it's done by the entranceway of the city. Okay. Case number three. And this case number three is really going to be the primary discussion of Ahmed Aleph, of this first page on Memhe on 45. And case number three is What happens if we have the following case where she committed adultery? However, uh, before they uh, before they come to court and have a whole court case, she the all these cases are are limited to cases where she's a basula, she's still a virgin, she's a nara, a girl between the ages of twelve and twelve and a half. What happens if before the court case she gets older? Time passes and she's now above the age of twelve and a half at the time of the court decision. So in that case, says Sheila, that because ishtani gufa, because she changed in that fact that she got older. So therefore, see, her judgment also changes. Because right now, if she were to commit adultery right now, so then she would be judged with chenek, with the death penalty of chenek, of strangulation. Uh, and so therefore, Sheila is telling us right now that once the, uh, she changes and uh, and then they go to court, so then that decision as to what her, in terms of what her punishment is, is based on her status right now, not based on her status at the time of the Avera, the time of the sin, the time of the adultery. No, it really goes based on the time of the court case. Because the Torah tells us she has to be a Nara, she has to be a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Well, is that specifically during the time of the Avera itself? Or does that also have to be during the time of uh, of the actual court case? And so Sheila says, yeah, it has to be during the time of the court case. If she becomes a Bogares, if she becomes above the age of 12 and a half, so then... The law changes. It's a different punishment of the death penalty. It is chenek, a strangulation instead of skila, instead of stoning. And so now the Gemara, because of this last case of a change which occurs, the Gemara will have a longer discussion now about, well, is this really true? Do we apply this principle of ishtani gufa ishtani ketala? That when, when something changes within her body, so then, uh, so, so then, uh, if that change would also cause a change in the law, so therefore we go based on the here and now and not based on the time uh, when the Avera, when the sin took place. Uh, this comes up in other Gemaras as well, this topic, before we even begin the topic, it comes up in other Gemaras as well. For example, uh, one example is 
let's say, a non-Jew. The non-Jew has Sheva Mitzvah in Noach. She has, he has, he or she has the seven laws, the seven Noachite laws. What happens if they violate one of these laws while they're not Jewish and then they convert and so therefore they're like a new person? They become like a new person. So are they punished based on the here and now as a Jew? Or are they punished based on their actions which they committed, the violations which they committed when they were non-Jewish, when they, were, when they weren't Jewish? So that same discussion also comes up in Sanhedrin. Um, and so there, there should... there. One would expect for there to be parallels between the two, but uh, that itself is, is, is a whole discussion. But in our case, we're discussing it, limiting it to our cases. What happens if she commits the crime, the Avera, adultery, when she's a Nara, when she's a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half? And the punishment, uh, the court case doesn't take place until uh, she is above the age of 12 and a half. So the, Sheila assumes that we would go based on the here and now. The Gemara says, wait a minute, or mini, we have the following question. Uh, basically, uh, this is a case where uh, she commits adultery and then she becomes a bogaris. Also, the same case where she becomes above the age of 12, of 12 and a half. Um, and then she gets married, fully married. And after she gets fully married, so then the husband accuses her of committing adultery while they were halakhically engaged. So the laws of Moshe Shemer do not, do not apply, meaning as follows. If he's found to be lying, that he made a false accusation, so then the fine does not exist, the malkos, the lashes do not exist. None of that exists because right here uh, uh, and right now, uh, she's a bogaris. She, she is a bogaris. However, uh, she's above the age of 12 and a half. However, when... Uh, let's say it's let's say it's viewed as true. Let's say it really is true. So then she would get skila. The Brisa tells us she would receive skila. Skila is what she receives before she's a bogaris. As a nara, as a girl between the age of twelve and twelve and a half, she receives skila. Uh, so uh, and yet the gemara yet the gemara earlier said that she should receive uh, chenek when she becomes above the age of twelve and a half. So the Brisa right now is saying that we go based on the time period of the crime of the avera of the adultery. At that point in time, she should receive skila. Uh, and yet, Sheila, when Sheila taught this, he says that she re- should receive chenek based on the here and now. If she were to do this right now, she would receive chenek. So which one is it? Do we punish? Is the punishment based on what the punishment would be um, at the time of the action, the Avera itself? Or is it based on the time of the Ahmad Abedina, the time of the uh, court case itself? That's the question of the Gemara. So the Gemara will present one answer. It will reject that answer. It'll present another answer. It'll also reject that answer. So two suggestions, two rejections, and then a final answer. So let's see this in the Gemara. Where answer is number one. Amarava. Now, Moti Shemra Ka'amres. Shiny Moti Shemra Dechidushu. Dahanechnesa lechopa velonivala ba'ama vizinsa bechanek. Ve'ila Moti Shemra peskila. Rava wants to say that uh, no, that that case number two is a case of where they already got married. The difference between case number one of Sheila and case number two of this Brisa is that this Brisa is talking about a case where they already got married, and then witnesses come uh, and say that she committed adultery. That it's really true that she committed adultery. Um, so in that case, we're talking about Moti Shemra. Moti Shemra, in general, is a chiddush. It's, it, it doesn't follow normal rules. It doesn't follow normal rules. Why? 
Because if she were to commit adultery, uh, fully married, which is always the case in Moti Shemra, is always when they're fully married, so then she would receive chenek. Um, and yet, in a case of Moti Shemra, by the time that she's accused and they go to court, she receives skila. We know that she receives skila. She receives stoning. So anyways, Moti Shemra, when she actually gets married, so that is an exception to the rule. That's not following the normal ways of, of looking at uh, at halacha. Uh, but the f- case number one, the case of Sheila, that itself is a case where uh, the, the witnesses come during the engagement. If it's during the engagement, it is not a, your, your case of Moti Shemra. Moti Shemra is the only case where the witnesses come after they're fully married. If the witnesses come while they are engaged, so therefore there is no Chiddush, and then we would apply the principle of Sheila, which is to say that uh, if she changes, if she becomes a Bulgarian, she becomes above the age of 12 and a half, so then she should really receive Chenek. So when it comes to a regular case of Moti Shemra where the witnesses come afterwards, so then even if she becomes a Bulgarian, even if she becomes above the age of 12 and a half, the whole concept of Moti Shemra is a novel idea to say that we should judge um, based on the past. And, and so therefore, even if she becomes a Bulgarian, she becomes above the age of 12 and a half, we will still give her Skila. However, the case of Sheila it's some of the case where the witnesses come during the engagement. That's not the case of Moti Shemra. Moti Shemra is a case where the witnesses come after they, they were married. But if the witnesses come while they're engaged, so then the regular rule of Ishtani Gufa, Ishtani Ketala, that when she changes, she becomes above the age of 12 and a half, so then we follow the law based on the here and now. What would have happened right now if she commits uh, adultery and therefore she receives Chenek? That is the distinction of Rava. The Gemara says back, Amar Le Ravuna Bered Rav Yeshua, Rav Huna, the son of Yeshua, says, we're not talking about the same thing. We're not talking about the same thing. When she becomes a Bulgarian above the age of 12 and a half, that's a change begufa in her feature, in her, in her body. That's a change. She becomes older. There's a change which occurs. She becomes above the age of 12 and a half. So for that case... Uh, we're suggesting that um, Sheila was well, Sheila and the Brisa were talking about that case, and so in that case, there's a contradiction as to whether or not we go based on now or we go based on the time of the of the Avera. But what Rav is talking about to say that when they get married, so then it should be Chenek. But uh, if she were to commit adultery now when they're married, it would be Chenek. Uh, but earlier it was Skila, and yet we still give Skila, even though the court case is while they're still fully married. That's not a change. There's no change in her body when they get married. That's a change in din. That's a change in the law. It's just something took place that doesn't impact her, her body, but something took place, i.e. they got married. And so then that should change the law. True. True. But that's not our case. Our case is not where the law changes because of some outside factor, i.e. they get married. Our case is where uh, something changes within her. If it changes within her, so then we don't have an answer. We don't have an answer. It's a totally different case. And so therefore, we're left with a contradiction. So how do you answer that contradiction? So we gave answer number one, rejection number one. Now we have answer number two. Rav Nachman Bar says, Oh, we have Sheila, we have the Brisa, in a case of where she becomes above the age of 12 and a half. And then witnesses say that she committed adultery. Do we go based on the time period of when she was a Nara, between the age of 12 and 12 and a half, and therefore she should be Skila? Do we go based on her age right now, at the time of the court case, and therefore she should be Chenek? It is a dispute amongst different rabbis from the time period of the Mishnah. And I can prove this to you, says Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak. I can prove this to you, Ditanan, because we have the following case. 
We have the following case, which is also a parallel case, potentially a parallel case. Rashi says it's Ishtani Gufa, a change in their body, even though it's uh, hard to understand how it's a change in their body. We have the following case where a person is not a Kohen and then they become a Kohen, then they become the Kohen Gadol. Or uh, they're not the Nasi and then they become the Nasi, they become the head. Uh, and so therefore, with regards to which Korban they bring when they commit a sin, it's different. A regular person brings... Uh, a certain animal, a female animal, when it's the Kohen Gadol or when it's the Nasi, they bring a different animal. So which animal should they bring in the case where they commit the sin before they become the Kohen Gadol? And then they're appointed the Kohen Gadol, so then which animal do they bring? That's basically a similar question. According to the first opinion of the Tanakama, it says that... Um, we go based on the original act itself. Since the original act itself took place before they were the Kohen Gadol, or before he became the Nasi, so therefore, it's like a regular person, and we bring a, a, a female animal as the offering. Shimon says, no. It depends. If we notify the person who committed the sin before they became a Kohen Gadol, so then they're obligated to bring it as a regular person. But if we notify them after they became the Kohen Gadol, so then they are exempt from bringing any korban. They're exempt from bringing any any sacrifice. Uh, so the Gemara of Nachum Ritzel wants to say, what's their argument based on? Their argument is based on, do we go based on the hero now, or do we go based on when the time the, the time period of the actual Avera? According to the first opinion, it's from the time period of the actual Avera, of the sin, and so therefore they bring a korban, a sacrifice, like a regular person. Rabbi Shimon says that no, it goes based on right now. Right now, they are a Kohen or they are a Nasi. The big question that the Gemara will have is, wait a minute. Rabbi Shimon didn't say you bring the Korban, the sacrifice, as a Nasi or as a as a Kohen, Gadol. He says that you are completely exempt. So how does that fit within this? So the Gemara answer, asks, I'm turning on to Memeheim Abayz, Emor, Dishamina, Leila, Rabbi Shimon, Da'azel, Af, Basar, Yediyah, the Azal Basar Yediyah, the Azal Basar Chatam Yisham Aslei. All Reb Shimon said was about the fact that there's a, a, a ruling, there's a law that to notify the person, it's not even the case of where they go to court. There is no case where they, they're not going to court, they're bringing a korban, a sacrifice. And it's saying that uh, in order for them to know about their sin, it has to happen all within the same uh, body of not being a Kohen Gadar, of not being the Nasi. Uh, but that's all he's discussing. That's what Rabbi Shimon is talking about. He's not talking about do we go based on the here and now or do we go based on the past? Because if we actually went based on the here and now, if it's really true that you're going based on the here and now, it shouldn't be potter, it shouldn't be that you're exempt. It should be that the um, the Kohen, uh, the anointed Kohen should bring a par, should bring a cow, and the Nasi, the Nasi, the head of the Jewish people should bring a sawyer, should bring a goat. Um, and they should bring something if it's based on the here and now. Seemingly, it must be that Rabbi Shimon is not talking about whether it go based on the here and now or go based on the past, but the rule is, if you want to bring a korban, finding out about it, and the actual sin has to take place within the same person, with who's, who nothing changed uh, within their body. Okay, fine. Okay, so we had answer number one, which we then rejected. We had answer number one, which we then rejected, um, and then we presented answer number two to say that this is a dispute between Tanaim, between rabbis from the Mishnah, and we wanted to give an example, and we rejected that. So now we have the third answer, the final answer. In the end of the day, the conclusion is Skila. 
that we have to change the language of Shila to say he didn't really mean Chanak, he really meant Skila, that there's stoning because we go based not on the here and now, but we go based at the time of the actual sin. We go based on the actual sin. Just because she changed and she became a Bulgaris, she became above the age of 12 and a half, she was between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half at the time of the sin, we go based on the time of the sin. That's the conclusion. Why? But the Torah tells us that she's a, a Nara. She's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half at the time of the court case. Uh, and now she's a Bulgaris. She's above the age of 12 and a half. The way you read the word Hanara in the Torah is not that she is currently a Nara, but that she was. At, she was in the past. At the time of the sin, she was a Nara, but not that right now she is a Nara. That is the conclusion. We just have one more question in the Gemara, but that is really, that is really the conclusion. The Gemara now asks, Amarle Rabbi Chanina Rabbi Eli. You know what? We'll save, we'll save this part, uh, for, for the, for the next class. Um, but th- this is the conclusion. End of the conclusion is we go based on the here and now. We go based on the here and now, uh, to say that there is Skila, and just because yeah, even though she, she changes, she becomes a Bulgaris above the age of 12 and a half, doesn't make a difference. Uh, at the time of the sin, she fit the criteria in order to be viewed as this girl who is deserving of Skila, and therefore we, uh, we give her Skila. Okay. That concludes the, this part. We will continue with the Gemara, uh, in the next class.